Oh, Martha. I am so afraid that this story is so familiar that I don't actually really hear it. I hear Martha, and I'm already thinking about the punchline. I'm busy classifying myself as a Martha while Luke is just trying to tell me a story. Add to this my own thoughts of our, and our traditional interpretations of the story, and I end up walking away with a lot of guilt about not being good enough. I worry that I don't pray enough, that I don't live a more contemplative lifestyle, and I'm a priest. One reality of the priesthood is all this administrative work that they don't train us for, no one can really warn you about, and it's very easy to fill up the day with everything but prayer. And so as I self-identify with Martha, I get a little defensive. Doesn't Jesus understand that all of this work needs to be done? I am doing it for him, by the way. And so I worry, I worry that I am choosing the lesser. I hear in my own head the worst thing. But you see, I've already jumped ahead, haven't I? I've started at the end of the story instead of the beginning. So will you go with me back in Luke's gospel, please? You see, I'm very curious about today's little vignette. Why is it included in Luke's gospel? It's only four verses long. Now, Matthew and Mark do not have a story like this. There is a similar moment in John's gospel. You might remember the time that Mary, Mary of Bethany, kneels at Jesus' feet and anoints them with costly perfume. At that moment, it is Judas who is upset. And it is Judas who receives Jesus' rebuke. Is it possible that these are the same story? And if so, why does it get changed? Or maybe, also possible, Jesus visited Martha and Mary more than once. But why does this story, the one that we have today, matter? What meaning does it bring for the disciples, for Luke's community, for us Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. Several chapters ago, Luke tells us that Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. And along the way, Jesus empowers the disciples and the crowd to actually go ahead of him. First, he sends out the twelve, those great disciples and apostles, giving them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to heal. Then, not too long after, Jesus appoints 70 more. Now again, they are to cure the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. And this gives us just a glimpse of what Jesus is up to as he travels to Jerusalem. This isn't just a hike, a long walk, or a pilgrimage. Jesus is commissioning his followers to share his ministry fully. Of course, discipleship, following Jesus, sharing in his ministry is not easy. Jesus tells his followers to take very little with them, 
to depend on the hospitality of those they meet, to be prepared for rejection. Indeed, they have already been rejected in Samaria. And so while many are eager to follow Jesus, still others find reason to tarry, to stay behind instead of going ahead. Jesus withholds all judgment. He simply continues to call people to follow him. Now let us not forget what happens to Jesus once he arrives in Jerusalem. Of course, initially he is hailed as the king, Hosanna in the highest. But eventually, he is betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And Jesus is quick to remind his followers of this reality. He tells them three times on their journey of what will happen. And so again, it is easy to imagine why some followers come behind, tarry along the way. It might be good for us to wonder if we are willing to go all the way to Jerusalem. Now, let us look at today's little vignette. Martha receives Jesus into her home. It is worth noting that in first century Palestine, it would be rare to name a home after a woman. Naming the place as Martha's home implies some kind of stature or authority for her. And all we really know about her is that she is distracted, worried, We might assume these tasks include hospitality for her guests, cooking a meal, cleaning up after them, but we do not know exactly what they are. What we know is that she is distracted, worried, which is not so different from anyone who finds any kind of reason to delay following Jesus. She has found a way to tarry to avoid sitting at Jesus' feet. And what about Mary, there sitting at the feet of Christ? There is only one other episode where someone sits at the feet of Jesus in Luke's gospel. It was a long time ago. You might not remember it. It is when Jesus goes to the other side, to the country of the Gerasenes, where he's confronted by a man with demons So many, they're called legion. And Jesus commands those demons into the swine herd. It's quite a funny scene, actually, if you can imagine all these pigs drowning themselves in the lake. And the man is cured. And the people find him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And as Jesus prepares to leave, the man begs to go with him. But Jesus instead sends him home. Sends him home to proclaim all that God has done for him. The man becomes the first to be sent out as an apostle for God's work in his home. What then might we expect to happen to Mary? I looked ahead. I just wanted to see what else Luke tells us about her. Nothing. 
we don't actually find out anything else about Mary in Luke's gospel. Mary is left at Jesus' feet, while Martha is encouraged to join her. Now, as I've mentioned, I feel a great empathy towards Martha. I project all kinds of feelings and desires onto her. And Jesus tells her she is distracted. She is like those who choose to bury the dead or make their goodbyes before following Jesus. There will always be reasons and ways to avoid going to Jerusalem. And Mary has chosen to be still and listen, even if she never makes it to Jerusalem. She sets aside whatever might hinder her from attending to Jesus. And Jesus commends her, saying, Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now that got me wondering, the better part, which will not be taken away from her, like a treasure. And I began to wonder about Martha and what part she has. And I began to wonder if the distractions that she claims as her own, that she demands Mary share with her, are in fact not actually hers. You see, anyone can accomplish these tasks and have these worries. None of it belongs to Martha. Indeed, later in the gospel, Jesus will tell all the disciples not to worry about their lives. He'll say to them, instead, strive for God's kingdom and your life, what you will eat, your body and what you will wear will be given to you as well. Now, what I hear Jesus saying there is that all of Martha's worries, all of my worries, they don't belong to me. They belong to God. And Jesus invites Martha to let them go, to set them down, to give them back to God, and to take up what actually belongs to her, her discipleship, her life with Jesus. I spend a lot of time thinking a lot about ministry and mission at the cathedral. As I wander through our buildings, I see so much work to be done. Tiles that need to be replaced, ceiling and floor. Plumbing to be repaired empty rooms, and I can so easily dive deep into so much worry, fretting over so many things, and there is a lot to do, planning events, hiring staff, committee meetings, blessed committee meetings, and so many good pastoral visits. And so most days, I spend my time making a list of all the things that I'm supposed to do that we are supposed to do next. It is good distraction. It keeps me busy. And I wonder. 
I wonder if there's a call in today's gospel to listen and pray. How can we, as the cathedral, sit at the feet of Jesus? Now, every time I say that, I want you to know the image that comes into my mind. If you've ever had a moment to come close to the Christ at this altar, what you might see are his feet coming out from his robes. How can we, as the cathedral, sit at the feet of Christ? How can we offer ourselves in prayer, bidding God's kingdom to come among us? Let us not be distracted by the many worries and tasks of our lives or of this cathedral. Instead, let us lean in to Jesus. Let us receive him into our lives, sit at his feet, listen and learn. What is Christ teaching us about the kingdom of God and our community? How is Jesus teaching us to pray, to serve, to be disciples? Now, every time I ask these questions, inevitably somebody will say to me, well, what do you think? You are the dean. I am the dean. And I want us to lean in together, to discern our path to Jerusalem. Won't you come and rest with me in the mercy of God as Christ commissions us? Let us take time and pray together as we discover all that God has prepared for us. For indeed, the kingdom of God is very near to us.